The ups and downs of being creative. Discussed over cocktails with friends. You're listening to The Shakes. What's going on? How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm fine. Good. We were a little worried about you at the end of the last show. You seemed a little sad. What do you mean? You seemed a little sad. <laughs> Actually, really? but, I yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't even remember the context of it either, but I just I just remember I just remember that talking to you and talking to John both were like, wow, both those guys really need a hug. It just felt like <laughs> it it felt like we just needed to reach through and, and, and give hugs because it was just I think we both sure. kind of I think we both kind of uh, have melancholy or moody aspects to us, but What's what are we talking here? about? I can't remember. Are we talking about how hard it is to be creative? Isn't that pretty much? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Getting over your laziness. You brought out the worst, brought out the worst in me. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, then th- that makes sense. That makes sense. Wasn't it right before Christmas? And it was right before Christmas. It was you know holiday blues and yeah, who doesn't <sighs> feel awful then? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we have David Reese back on the f- on the phone, and hopefully John Roderick here in just a little bit. Uh, David, it's thank you so much for for you know since especially since it was my fault for screwing up the whole thing, and then but yet here you are the 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 gracious guest host back on the show. So thank you. My pleasure. Don't yeah. screw up again. I, <laughs> well, yeah, chance. like 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 I like I uh, just said, I can verify that I see your voice on my screen, and so I know. That you are there, and that's and that's important. So yeah, we should right. have done that last time. Well, I thought I did that last time. It was it was the stupid TV shoot. That was what it was. Oh yeah, that got y'all flustered. Yeah, and where did that get us? Nowhere, uh, mm-hmm. nowhere. So so David, uh, the past you have been really busy the past couple of months. It seems like uh, mm, okay. Travel well, you know, traveling. <laughs> you, you seem to have been you seem to have been a world traveler. Uh, you know, look at, and, oh, in uh, terms of travel. Okay. Oh right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You were, you were busy. You were busy being other places than, than, than your home where you are currently sitting. Right. So, uh, that's true. I'm currently sitting in my home, in my living room. In January, I went to Africa with Jonathan Colton and John Roderick mm-hmm. to perform for the troops. Oh, nice. Uh, that was, I think, a 10-day trip, maybe a nine-day trip. And then I came back for a couple of weeks, and then I went out again with Jonathan and John and a bunch of other people for Jonathan Colton's annual cruise. Uh, and that was eight, I guess that was eight days in the Caribbean. How was that? So that was a lot of travel, especially for me. I'm a bit of a homebody. But, and, uh, and, with the same, and with the same people, that's the other interesting thing. It's kind of like there's the pattern. It's like just... You know, it's like a traveling band or something. Well, the Africa trip was, it was Jonathan, John, me, and a, and a minder from the Department of Defense. The, the Colton cruise is Jonathan, John, me, and 800. Closest <laughs> friends. Jonathan Colton uh, enthusiasts and other entertainers, you know, musicians and cartoonists mm-hmm. and stand-ups. And that's like a, so the trips were kind of very different in terms of, I mean, I found them both oh, yeah. strangely exhausting, but yeah. the trips themselves were 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 very different. Even though it involved uh, two good buddies and me. What uh, What did you do to entertain? Uh, that's a good question. Was I actually entertaining? You know, that's. Um, I think the verdict <laughs> is still out on that. I mean, I went. My so the trip was to three countries: Niger, 
Ethiopia, and Djibouti. And in each of those locations, we played multiple shows for mostly Air Force personnel. It was mm-hmm. mostly Air Force facilities. Um, but then there was a mix, especially in Djibouti, was a much larger base, so that was all sorts of people from all different branches of the military. And in Niger, we also did a show at the embassy, the American embassy in uh, Niamey, which is the capital of Niger. Um, so I would go first, and I did some stuff from my pencil sharpening book, uh-huh. audience participation, doing some wacky pencil sharpening techniques. Right. And then at the end of my act, I sang a Toby Keith song with with uh, guitar accompaniment from my friends. Oh, yeah? Very nice. Um and uh, and then Jonathan would came up and perform some of his songs on acoustic guitar, and then John Roddick would come up and do a set on his acoustic guitar, and then also make jokes about military and and air force and airplanes and stuff because he's like a total airplane nut and he knows a lot about. Oh yeah. He knows so a lot about the military. Peri- yeah, that that uh, if if you recall last time when we kind of gave you the question of what keeps you awake at night, his answer was reenacting alternate outcomes of World War II battles. So that should probably not surprise that you. Surprise. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. What did I say? What did what was my answer? I think that's when you started crying. Yeah, I think that's when we got really sad. <laughs> um, you know, I yeah, I think you know, I think yours was like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it was, I can live with that answer. I believe yeah. in that answer. Yeah, I've heard a little bit about about John's recollections of of uh, of the trip through through his show, and um, but you know, as you say, he he very definitely is a a military enthusiast, or at least as he says in his younger life was was very much so. Um, you know what what kind of what kind of things kind of struck you about? It? Did you? Did you kind of know what you were getting into, even in the in the least bit as you went out there? Um, we, were, you know, we were kind of briefed on what it would be. It would be small. It would be, you know, it wasn't like Bob Hope going to Vietnam right. and performing for five thousand troops. You know, this it, first of all, it wasn't done through the USO. It was done directly through the Department of Defense. The USO, oh. the USO is as a private nonprofit group that puts on big shows. Ours was done through um, the Pentagon. They have a, a, a project or a program called Armed Forces Entertainment. So, and they were they obviously we went to locations. I mean, the first place in Niger was just a couple hundred people. It wasn't big mm-hmm. at all. Very modest shows, you know. Um, just set up some folding chairs and they had a stage, and uh, we kind of Jerry rigged a microphone stand at one of the locations because they didn't have a mic stand. You know, it was like a broom duct taped to a chair. <laughs> duct tape to a microphone. <laughs> so it was in a, you know, I've never thought about this before, but in a weird way, some of those gigs were a lot like just like playing like hardcore shows at like in basement, you know, yeah. in yeah. like DIY punk houses. Didn't realize how <laughs> punk rock your shows in, in yeah, Niger totally. were. It was like, yeah. uh, it was like being in high school again or something. Um, but no, I mean, we didn't know what to expect. I think all three of us just went because Partially just to like see what it would be like, you know, yeah. we we're going to places we wouldn't otherwise have access to, and we were—I was at least for me personally—I was—I felt like I would get a sense of a culture that I don't really have a personal connection mm-hmm. to. Like mm-hmm. I've never been in the military, and uh, um, yeah, you know, just went to, you know, and also went because 
you know, I was a political cartoonist for a long time, and I definitely had a lot of thoughts about the war on terror and all those issues. But in a way, I felt kind of removed from kind of removed from the actual. I don't know if you would say the logistics or just the lived experience of, of right being being involved, like you know, boots on the ground, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I just felt like it's a great opportunity to see see what it's about you know i was just wondering is this something that like uh one gets invited to or you audition for or you apply for that's a good question how can uh, i get I, one i i i know i know why we went i but i feel like john roderick is the one who i don't know if i'm allowed to say why okay. we went i mean it involves a per- personal connection of his special okay. military insider yeah, I don't know yeah. if he's spoken about it. I didn't. I no, I, know. I don't believe so. I want to ask you what John Roderick thought of the trip. What uh, did well, he say on his podcast? Oh, you know he he had he had a number of of really interesting stories to tell. He talked about uh, you know the the tents that you guys stayed in and and kind of mm-hmm. the accommodations and how the how the upper uh, you know the. The generals and it, the only thing that really separated the generals from everybody else is they maybe had a piece of plywood that gave them some privacy as opposed to everybody else that had none. And, uh, you know, he, it was it was really kind of eye opening to him as far as as far as the experience was concerned. It was, you know, definitely uh in, in many ways, unexpected. Uh, but then, as you as you would kind of imagine, that some of the uh, his his interest in the military, he he definitely really got off on parts of it. You know, getting to be able to sit around and talk with uh, talk with some captains about. You know, uh, he had a story talking about trying trying to impress people with his with his uh, knowledge of of guns <laughs> and things, and then going, "Well, we haven't used those in twenty five years," and so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that brings me joy because <laughs> I <laughs> I gotta listen to that. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good one. I I believe it's actually not his podcast, but it's one of Merlin's, and he stood in for Merlin when uh, he was when he was out doing something. And so, yeah. And so he he got to tell a story about that and it was really good. Yeah. I mean, it just seems to me like, even though I would consider such a, a a voyage just absolutely pants shittingly frightening. Mm -hmm. I, I, there's no way I could say no to something, to an experience like that. Well, I mean, before we left, I guess because we were there under the aegis of um, the Pentagon, we all had to take pretty and, pretty extensive online uh, survival of evasion resistance escape training with the SEER program. There's mm. like a weird online version of that that you take. Wow. If, mm-hmm. I guess if you're, if you're working for the Department of Defense about how to camouflage yourself and how to find water and how to blend into the population. And, um, wow. So that the night, but then I think the night before we left, I remember sending a bunch of, kind of like emotional text messages to friends and family and stuff. And, you know, I I was supposed to, I was told to call my parents and tell them that if we were to be kidnapped or held for ransom, that when, when they interact with the media, they shouldn't make any political statements. They should just ask for our swift and safe return. I mean, you know, like, yeah. And the process of going through that due diligence before traveling as part of the America's military operations was pretty, eye-opening and um yeah i mean it gets really real at that point yeah and and you know then having said that there was 
I don't think there was a single moment the entire time we were over there when I felt remotely concerned for my safety. You know, the only time, the only time I thought something bad might happen was actually for me, the highlight of the trip, which was when we were in a, in Ethiopia and we went to the swimming hole where all these Ethiopian kids were hanging out swimming and jumping out of a really tall tree. And I, uh, decided to jump out of that tree and, uh, I was going to jump from a lower part, and then everyone was like, no, you have to jump from this higher branch. And I was like, all right. And then right before I jumped, John Roderick was like, I think you're aiming at the wrong part of the swimming hole. You need to jump further out to make sure that you have room, you know, that it's deep enough. But that was the only moment where I thought something, that was the only moment where I felt concerned. So so the true danger was you endangering yourself. Yeah, right, which is always what I, obviously, I would prefer to be the situation. Yeah. I mean, the, the, each of those three countries, the, the local population is more or less friendly mm-hmm. and more or less glad to have the military there. And it's not like Afghanistan or Iraq where you're in an active combat zone with an actively hostile yeah. population. Do you know what I mean? And oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, the vibe at all of those um, camps was pretty mellow. Um, so, but yeah, it was more the ramp up to it when I think it became very real to all of us. Like, whoa, have you taken that, are you at that part of the course yet where they tell you how to do tap code in case we're like sharing a wall when we've been kidnapped? I mean, like, oh, no way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Intense. That sounds way more. Yeah. That's, that's a lot more than Cub Scout leader training. That's for sure. Right. Oh my right. God. <laughs> wow. wow. Do you have to get a bunch of shots and stuff too? Yeah, we had to get, um, gosh, I can't remember, yellow fever's the big one, and um, I, we had to take malaria pills the whole time we were over there. You know, there's a, mm-hmm. a regimen you go through, and uh, I actually, when I jumped into that swimming hole in Ethiopia, I actually got really sick from doing that, and so I had some bonus some bonus pills that I had to take for my gastrointestinal condition, but I mean, whatever. Like, why? Well, just being yeah. in it? You didn't drink it. Just well, it kind of gets in you when no, you hit the water, you know? Yeah, you know, it's just, you, you know, you it's just, always just yeah. go swimming in, in pools of water in in uh, Africa, I guess. I mean, whatever. I mean, yeah, it was, it was nothing. What you know, it was like, you know, it was just a few days of a leaky basement, so to speak. Uh. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a small price to pay. No, it was great. It was really, really fun. I mean... The trip was very intense, and it wasn't always fun because it was it was a military operation, you know, mm-hmm. and it was very uh, regimented and um, exa- physically exhausting. Um, but the swimming hole, just the whole afternoon yeah. in, in this park in Ethiopia, with you could really go swing from vines in Africa, you know, huge roping, beautiful vines. It felt very dreamlike. The, wow. the space we were in was very dreamlike and very beautiful, and the swimming hole was just like a... I love jump. My favorite thing to do is to jump into water from... From, from great, great heights? heights. Yeah, and the kid, like, it was a bunch of Ethiopian teenagers hanging out who were really sweet, and uh, so that was, it was definitely worth a few days of discomfort. You said it was very physical? It was hot, for one oh, thing, I, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it was just physical in terms of... Um, I don't know, jet lag and being in, like, Niger, the first country we're in, is in the middle of the continent, and it's very, um, very dusty and sandy. There's mm-hmm. orange orange dust everywhere. You can't, I mean, 
the pair of white socks that I'm wearing right now still have the dust in them after being, I mean, wow. can't get it off you. Uh-huh. And that includes like inside your throat and stuff. Sure. Um, and you're waking up early, like you're on a military schedule more or less, you know, and, um, you know, there were long days. I mean, whatever. It's not like wearing a thousand pounds of body armor and being shot at in Iraq. I don't mean to make right. it sound no, like no, sure. it's truly physically exhausting, but relative to no. my lifestyle, it was like, oof, but no, I, grind, you know? I didn't realize you would be on, on the military schedule, but if you're staying on the base, I mean, you're on the base, you're doing what they're doing. Well, the, yeah, the you're not waking up at noon. You're not waking up at noon. It's right. like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. After after we do this uh, re- this recording session and we release the next couple of episodes, we are going on hiatus for a couple of months. Joy is is getting ready to to have herself a baby. She's laying yeah. on the couch right now. She's not. Oh, cool! Congratulations. So, Thank uh, you. so so one one of the things that we were kind of thinking about is that you know hiatuses. So like. You did you did your season of going deep and and then you know that was over and so you know things to do during hiatuses good creative things to do during hiatuses that's a that's kind of a thought what 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 mm-hmm. would you do what would you do what did you do what are you doing besides going to I mean, Africa like intense travel uh, let's see so when we when I made get when I made um going deep. I can't remember how many months that was. It was like a year, maybe just under a year of work. And then it aired last summer, and then I was kind of waiting around to find out what was going to happen with it. And um, I kind of feel like I kind of screwed up. Like, I should have immediately, but I always do this, like, kind of didn't have my backup plan ready. Basically, what I did was I spent all summer working on this Aphex Swift mashup album I made of Mm-hmm. Apex with twin Taylor songs Swift. with with Taylor Swift vocals. Uh, I kind of just wor- just worked on that like a lot, like more than you would think <laughs> if you listened <laughs> to it. Like uh, it was actually took me a long time. Um, so it's one of those things that was productive but not lucrative. You know, it was just like yeah. going down a rabbit hole. Familiar with that? Yes. Yeah. So I guess that was what I did on my hiatus. I, I mean, I like it when you work really hard and then you have time where you don't have to do anything. I'm afraid of it. I'm scared of the hiatus. I kind of like the idea of not working and then going on a hiatus. Who's that? Who was that? That's that's Pat. You yeah. just yeah, snuck hey, in. Can, can, uh, I was I was busy trying to find a parking spot. Can we just start over? Oh uh, yeah, David, right. If you can that's, just go. If you can start from the yeah, top. Yeah, I don't mind doing this podcast a third time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm 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 afraid of of what's to come. What do you think's going to happen? Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm afraid that come June... why are June, you doing a hiatus? Because we got to do a hiatus. You're going to have a baby. I have got so much crap that's going on in the next couple of months, and I, I really think we need it, you know? But I'm afraid that even if we come back better and stronger than ever before, mm-hmm. this is not going to matter. It's not going to matter. What do you mean? Wow. To, wow. to who? Not, 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 I don't know. I feel, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like we're going to show up and, and we're going to be like, hey, the microphones are back on. The audience will disappear in in the two months that we're gone. Well, then don't like leave totally. Run older things or run. Well, see, that's the weird thing about a podcast is since you can download one anytime you want to, it doesn't really make any sense. You know to what? I, with that it. attitude, you're not. <laughs> it's not going to happen. 
Uh, you can have TBTs. <laughs> I used to do that. Well, do I don't again. know. Is this a popular podcast that a lot of people listen to? It, no. it comes and it goes. Uh, uh, you know, right right now, um, right now we we are we are less popular than what we used to be. Like say a, a year ago. What's that? Uh, well, the funny thing is, is we were we were on a a podcast network, and I I think I think we became less popular somehow because of a technical glitch is the only thing I can figure out is we were on this we were on a podcast network the podcast network shut down and then I built my own podcast network and housed us on it and then somehow when we when we uh, came back from me building the website and all that stuff we were we went from having you know 1500 1800 subscribers to 20 and but you know and it's and it's still built up you know and it built up over and over and Hold over on, and I'm you sorry. know you have twenty subscribers to this podcast no oh, now no now now we <laughs> no now we have four hundred okay but when we came back we had twenty right you're you're painting a pretty bleak picture here Jim. It, it felt pretty fucking bleak to me well but we've built it back from twenty we have built it back from twenty silver lining sure but then you know but then we were gone for a month now we're gonna be gone for two months. That you don't have to like go away completely. I feel like you're like I'm just. Oh, gonna... I'm going away completely. I'll just. Yeah, you should do it. Don't don't. Yeah, go, if you're gonna go away, go away. Yeah, I am hey, go. I am going away. But should he be like worried and nervous about it? No, because all podcasts suck, and there's no point to have any emotional investment in any podcast. But <laughs> good point. <laughs> I want to know what oh. what you were going to say after you said, "Wait, this podcast." Has Are we going to? We're, we're closing on he's that like, line, right? He's like, "Hold on, <laughs> anything past Wait a second. This is, I, I called gonna... back and I made all this scheduling. And there's only 20 people listening. Oh. No, what I'm, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a podcast. I mean, I definitely have things where I've watched a slow and steady and inexorable decline of something I cared about into absolute irrelevance. Like, I can relate to that. On the other hand. If you're going to take a break, really take a break. Do something completely different. Work on yourself. Find a new source of happiness and creative inspiration so that if you do decide to come back, you're recharged in a way that you wouldn't be otherwise had you spent all that time and mental energy on the same old grind. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And that's that's exactly why I feel like I like when I'm going away, I'm really going away. Okay, then don't worry about it. Are you going to go to the Himalayas? No, I'm not going to the Himalayas. But I'm, uh, well, I can't go that Come far on. away. I'm going into the woods. Are That's you to like live deliberately? Week. I am going into the woods. Yeah, but it's it's into the woods. Oh, okay. I'm going to tie a bunch of knots. I am. So no, I know you are. I just <laughs> like, that's not what you're doing for two months. You don't know. Right. I might I find that, that that's really what I want to do is just sit around and tie knots tie in the knots. woods for two months. That's it. Sounds pretty good to me. <sighs> now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, I, you've made me incredibly sad. I'm sorry I showed up late to this. God. <laughs> Pat, save us. Uh, I like what... what uh, no, I think David it's fantastic. I'm, I'm, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I, it's very inspiring. Yes. I'm going to finish my book. You're going to finish oh, your book? That That's a good idea. Yeah, because you should have been done with yeah, it. Yeah, shut up, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to use the hiatus to motivate me to do something. What David said, go on another creative venture. Okay. I'm going to finish that. I've It's it's laid around. It's floundered, and I'm going to pick it back up and get it done. Good. What book are you reading? Oh, I'm writing a book. Ooh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you guys are making all the wrong decisions. I love it. <laughs> Now, see, 
<laughs> I am. I am. I'm pressure prompted. I'm deadline prompted. So I have to give myself. I gave myself a deadline that got me off my ass to start writing it. And now it's just kind of floundered and I need to get back into it. And so this will be a good reason for me to. Now, am I missing something? You guys are just hiatusing from a podcast, right? No, I'm I'm quitting my job too. <laughs> I I'm, say, I'm not going like, to do anything. What else? Are, well, I well, yeah, I mean, I I feel from. I feel like like not only am I hiatusing from a podcast, I feel like I am going to hiatus from the the world that podcasting is part of. So it's like I think that I might not show up online for two months. Oh, like I'm like I'm ballsy. I'm pretty serious about this. <laughs> you should do it. Yeah. Do it. David, what do you think? Can you do it? <laughs> what? Take time offline? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, every every year when I go on Jonathan's crew, the the Joko cruise, I lead a contingent of people who just completely take a absolute digital break and don't go online at all for the entire week that we're at sea. And that's one of my favorite weeks of the year because, you know, nobody can, nobody can reach you. You don't have to worry about when you need to check to see if anyone's trying to email you or like check to see if someone mentioned you on Twitter or check to see what video everyone's looking at. Like you, it's, it's you, I think it's very, very important to do that. For mm-hmm. real. You should, yeah. You should do that. Well, and, and I have done that on, on a cruise before because, you know, you get on a cruise and cost money. To well, yeah. Like Wi-Fi really is $20 a minute. Yeah, right. and, yeah. And so I we and, didn't do any on. Yeah. And so, anymore. so what, what, what my wife and I did is like, I just had this notebook and anytime we thought of something, I would just like write this down and I had like four pages of stuff that we thought about or, you know, questions that we had about the universe or whatever. And I was like, yeah, we can look that shit up later, mm-hmm. you know? And, but, but yeah, right. it was totally freeing. To, and so that's kind of, and so that's kind of what I'm thinking is like I'm just gonna go I'm not gonna worry about what's happening on the Facebooks uh, you know or anything like that I'm just I'm I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go in the woods and I'm gonna tie some knots for two months for two months <laughs> okay good I, I bought this watch I got this watch yesterday it tells me what temperature it is. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I want you to I want you to come back with a shitload of knots. <clears throat> well, I got a shitload of knots. It's seventy two degrees in this room right now. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling every yeah. degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow. <laughs> Is there gonna... something we can bring this back up? So did we already we Sorry. already talked about the cruise, right? No, we haven't talked about the cruise. Well, we, we talked about talk Africa. A, we gotta we gotta bring this back up, talk about the cruise. Uh guys, I just got a text from John Roderick. <laughs> okay. Says they said 5 p.m. West Coast time. 5 p.m. West Coast time. Okay, well you know we can what? deal. We can deal with that. Tell him that's okay. That's okay. You we'll did, just we'll do him separately. You did say that. I bet you weren't. Did thinking I say it? About... I didn't. I didn't do my math right. Tell him I fucked up again. No, you don't All have right. to. I mean, you don't have to feel bad about it. I don't feel bad about it. Oh, I just. I just. Okay. I'm math is not my strong point. <laughs> okay, they will finish. Um, this is the text I'm sending him. Okay, okay, they will finish with me and then call you. Hope you're doing great, old friend. <laughs> See ya <laughs> later. Smiley face. Did you work on your guns this 
<laughs> I'm trying to get John Roderick into bodybuilding and weightlifting. Oh, okay. Oh, those guns. Are are you into bodybuilding yeah, and weightlifting? What... <laughs> I used to be really into bodybuilding. Um, uh, back in 1999, my friend and I had this website called Ripton 2000, which was like a website about getting emotionally, spiritually, and physically ripped. Mm. Mentally, mentally, physically, and spiritually ripped. And we were really into the classic classic era of bodybuilding, like uh-huh. Frank Zane and Franco Colombo and Schwarzenegger and Mike Katz and uh, all those guys. Like, if you've ever seen that documentary, Pumping Iron, that yes. was like the pre, more or less pre-steroid bodybuilding era. And we were really into it, and we were lifting weights a lot. Um, and then I kind of stopped, and then I started lifting weights again last year. Uh, and when we were in Ethiopia, I went to the gym at the facility where the the Air Force personnel were staying one morning, and I was, like, doing the treadmill, and then I was, like, fucking around with the dumbbells, and then John Roderick came in, and I was like, hey, man, you should try, you should try lifting weights, and he did a hammer curl, he did multiple hammer curls, like a 45-pound dumbbell, which is crazy, like, 45 pounds, I'm not a big guy, like, I'll never be a big, strong person, um... And even even when I was most into weightlifting, which at this point was like 15 years ago, maybe even 18 years ago, the most I could ever curl was 45 pounds. And he just and he just walked in and, and just John did Roderick it. picked up and was like, okay, like he was just like in Sasquatch mode. Boink, well, but he's it. like a nine foot giant, though. I mean, you know, he's, he's yeah, but he's I mean, he's, I don't think he's that. I don't think he's much taller than I am. He's just one of those dudes who's like. He has a presence. Strong, you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. I did it and really screwed up screwed up my back. Like, kind of <laughs> bad. I mean, I was being dumb. I didn't have one in each hand. I was very unbalanced. I was uh, a bad yeah. I was a bad personal trainer to John Roderick. I did not lead by example. Um, anyway. <laughs> and then we, when we were on the cruise together, I was like, we're going to go to the gym every day. We're going to get so ripped for the beach. And then we kind of never did. We just got involved <laughs> in other stuff. So. Maybe that's what I should do on the hiatus. I'm going to get ripped like 2,000. You should. In the woods? In the, why not? Should, There's yeah, plenty of lift, dead logs. Yeah, you should just lift logs. No, Schwarzenegger, yeah. Schwarzenegger always talks about, I have his, um, what's it called? I have his encyclopedia of bodybuilding. Yeah. I also have a book, I think, called Education of a Bodybuilder that he wrote. And it was like, when he was growing up in Austria, they would go in the woods, um, he and his friends, and they would like just lift weights outside and drink beer and... Mm-hmm. Hang out with women in the wood. I mean, it sounded like <laughs> crazy, you know, but like lifting weights outside is, you know, that's how sure. people used to be fit, you know. It's called before they farming. Had office jobs and yeah. had to pay to go to a gym. Yeah. yeah. It's Rocky Four. labor outside. Yeah. Toss a caber. It's Rocky Four. Yeah. So you yeah. pick right. up, pick up um, just trailers filled with people, lift them. <laughs> so, so like you were just, so were you, you, into bodybuilding for just for the health of it, or were you like competitive? Because I mean, you're talking, you no, know, you're no, talking I, about no, like Schwarzenegger. You're no. talking like competitive. No. Okay, no. I truly you cannot say the word no enough in response to that. <laughs> I was. I don't have a bodybuilder's body. My friend, it was it was my friend and I, and um, he was living in New York, and I was living in Boston. My friend Aaron, um, old childhood friend, and we were. Um, we were just talking about uh, exercising, and maybe he had already started lifting weights. I can't remember, but 
we both developed this interest in that in that golden age of bodybuilding and and he was taking an he was taking a HTML class. This was back in '99. So we were like, let's build a website. And so every month, this website was actually incredible. It was. <laughs> Is it still out there? I don't think so. I think we let the the domain lapse. It was called RippedIn2000.com, and every month we posted someone who was physically ripped, yeah, somebody who was spiritually ripped, and somebody who was mentally ripped. It was a very bare-bones website. And then we would also publish haikus about lifting weights that we wrote or that our friends wrote. And we sold memberships. And if you bought a membership, you got a... Aaron worked at an art gallery with a laminating machine, so he could make laminated cards that were like membership cards. yeah, yeah. And you also got a cloth. Everything was branded with Ripton 2000. We had pencils and... We had cloth tape measures, like the kind of mm-hmm. used to measure your bicep, you yep. know what I mean? Yep. So, so you can be like, oh, I have a 44-inch bicep or whatever. And you also got these medallions that I would drive to the, I can't remember what town it was, in some beach town in Massachusetts. I would drive there and go to the boardwalk where they had like a tin stamping machine where you could set text and it would stamp like a little sheriff's badge. <laughs> awesome. Now I dr- Drive there and get Ripton 2000 stamps and then put the badges on these little, you know, metal chains and then you would, we, that was your amulet that you got. So you would get a membership card, a bicep tape measure, a bunch of pencils, an amulet. To like cover pretty, the three, to cover the, the mental, spiritual, and, and physical. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was really fun, yeah. So, so who's, so who's spiritually ripped? Gandhi is, is, yeah, is, what's, what's the definition of mentally and spiritually yeah. ripped? Well, so if you understand bodybuilding, you know, to be ripped, it doesn't necessarily mean to be huge. It means to have everything. You know how bodybuilders before a competition, they stop drinking water because they want to leach all of the fluid out of their bodies so that everything is very striated? Mm-hmm. That's the word. Everything yes. is like super defined and cut, you know? So we were talking we were talking about using that vocabulary of being ripped physically and applying it to like Someone who spiritually is ripped would be someone who has very, is very clear and very precise and elegant and efficient spiritual beliefs or spiritual practices. And then obviously mentally ripped means you're a clean thinker, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, it, everything is, again, very well-defined. Um, so, yeah, I think Gandhi, I think, was one of our first ones for spiritually ripped. Um, I was really into Johannes Kepler at the time. I think I was reading... Thomas Kuhn, The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, and I think he was talking a lot about Kepler, so I think I think Kepler, it was just like whoever we were like interested in. I think mm-hmm. Silver Surfer we used, because one of us sure. was really obsessed. I can't remember what category. I mean, Silver Surfer is probably all three, actually. There's a couple, oh, yeah. like Bruce Lee is somebody who was probably all three. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, anyway. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. I like it. I just yeah. tried to go to the website, and it said Something about a virus. Oh, really? Yeah. Virus. But it might have just been... Just your crazy laptop. Yeah, who knows? But anyway, I didn't get to see anything. No, I, I like that. No, I, I like the idea. long gone. Long gone. Oh, no, it was, a, it was a fun project. And um, I remember when I moved to New York City, I, the, I went to the Night of Champions, which is an annual big bodybuilding event. I was hired by newspaper, the New York Observer. I had a friend who was an editor there that knew me in Boston back in the Ripton 2000 days. He was like, why don't you go there and make a cartoon about 
this bodybuilding contest. And uh, I went and I got to say hi to Mike Katz. If you've ever seen, if you've ever seen Pumping Iron, which is actually an amazing documentary, which is hard to find now, I think, because Schwarzenegger, I think, doesn't like it because at the end when he wins Mr. Olympia, he smokes he smokes a joint. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Mike Katz is like the real underdog uh, in that documentary. We were really obsessed with him because he has a really unusual body for bodybuilding. Like, he doesn't have a classically beautiful body the way that, you know, someone like Frank, Ocol- or Frank Zane, especially, and even Schwarzenegger on a larger scale, it's like, again, this is back when bodybuilders, their bodies looked beautiful. Like, now bodybuilders, they don't look human anymore. It's just crazy, yeah, right? They just, just yeah. look like, it's really, uh, to me, it's very ugly. Yeah, it's a weird action back when figure. the guys were like, God, these dudes look beautiful, you know, just mm-hmm. like, even then, like, it's trending towards getting a little insane, but... Still. But more Greek um, godlike. Yeah, yeah, totally. And Mike Katz, he, it was almost like he was just, just like willing himself to win in these competitions. But I just remember feeling like this dude will never be beautiful the way Schwarzenegger is beautiful. Anyway, he's like a very compelling character, and Schwarzenegger really fucks with him in the Pumping Iron documentary. Like, really gets gets inside his head and kind of spooks him and stuff. Uh, anyway, so anyway, I got to meet my cats. It was very exciting for me. That's cool. Yeah, that's like one of the big celebrity. I haven't met a lot of celebrities, but that was like one where I was like, oh, my God, I like called my friend or whatever. And was like, I, I met my cats. Like I shook my cat's hand. Yeah. Anyway. Points go to you for probably having one of, one of the more one of the more interesting and unique uh, obsessions with 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 I, I, I can't say that we've had anybody who who was uh, really into classic bodybuilding, except for Pat. Yeah, well, I, I was going to say, I, <laughs> like, hold at, on there, friend. Look at this temple right across from you, and then you know the answer. Yeah. So, David, as as uh, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, so we asked you this question two months ago. Uh-huh. Maybe given given uh given, you know, the the experiences you've had over the past couple of months, it'll be interesting to see how this how this has changed. Uh if, if what if anything gets you excited and gets you thinking to where you are where it might keep you awake at night. The thing I've been thinking about a lot, I mean this is kind of a uh crap like kind of extreme winter weather wise. Uh, or maybe I'm just getting older, but I felt like this winter was really gray and really long and a real grind. Uh, and we got a lot of snow where I live. Um, and my bike all winter has been leaning against one of my bookshelves in my living room. And when I sit on my sofa, I just look at my bike and I'm just waiting, waiting to start going on long bike rides, which I really like to do. And uh, the last couple of days, it's finally been warm enough where you actually believe that spring might actually show up. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. I know we'll probably have one more snowfall and it'll be heartbreaking. But the thing, honestly, when I'm falling asleep, the thing that gets me really excited is the thought of being able to go ride my bike, especially in the late afternoon, which is like the best time to ride your bike, I think. So anyway, I guess that's what that's what's making me really stoked. Is it is it is it all about the bike or is it just about the renewal of the weather and that winter's done? Is it all that kind of mindset? Yeah, it's just all that stuff, I guess. Yeah, I like spring. You yeah, know, like I love spring. Growing up in North Carolina, spring where I grew up was incredibly beautiful, and uh, I have a lot of 
positive associations and like really specific sense memories of spring. So I've always, I mean, I like fall too, I guess, but spring is the best. So I yeah. guess it, yeah. Well, I will. I will definitely say that that I I will take your hiatus ideas to heart. I'm going to do my best not to worry about this hiatus. It is a good thing. And so, uh, David, thank you again so much for, you know, taking the time and and letting us reschedule and and do all that stuff, even though 20 people are listening. (laughs) No, it's no problem, man. Happy hiatus to all of you, and congratulations on uh, your baby. Be well. Enjoy your time in the woods. Get ripped. Oh. (laughs) 